Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rockman back in the chair. And since we last were here, City have played two, won two. Progressing to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup thanks to a comfortable 3 0 win away at Bristol City. Our opponents in the quarterfinals, yep, Vincent Companies, Burnley. Bit more of that later. Uh, and then at the weekend, a 2 0 victory in the league against a Newcastle side that had their chances, um, but that keeps City five points behind Arsenal, who just keep on winning. Uh, this weekend also saw British football's most anticipated fixture. East Fife versus Four Far, uh, sadly ending in East Fife three, Four Far two. What a shame, eh? Never mind. <laughs> and before we continue, everyone at the Man City Show send best wishes on a speedy recovery for the life-changing facial injuries Bruno Fernando picked up during his team's latest defeat. Our thoughts and prayers are with you, uh, Bruno. Yeah, get well soon, my friend. Um, if we have time, I'd also like to talk about uh, uh, cities have just announced plans to increase the Etihad capacity to over 60,000, you may have a view on that, and the development of the whole sort of north side of the Etihad complex. So to help me do that, I've got three guests. Welcome to Ian Lees. Hi, Lizo. Uh, hi, Nigel. Good to be um, back. Good to see you. Uh, welcome back to Roger Reed. Hi, Rog. Hi, Nigel. Hi, everyone. And welcome back to David Hodgson. Hi, Dave. Hello, Nigel. Listen, let's start at Bristol City, Dave, if we can, if you can kick us off. Uh, going well in the Championship. I think they, they were on a 12-game unbeaten run. Um, it could have been a bit of a banana skin, but uh, in the end, uh, City came out on top. And look, we we, um, we came to a place where the fans were exceptionally up for it. I think, you know, the, the squad came in, as you say, on a good run of confidence. Luckily, you know, we did get our, um, you know, up and running relatively relatively early. But I did think there was a period at about 1-0 where the game, you know, did seem like it could have could have swung against us a little bit. But, you know, we we um, we rallied. We By the end, it looked, you know, the scoreline made it look far more comfortable than it was. But I think it was a good cup tie. They were, you know, as I say, very up for it. They had, you know, two, I thought, two quite exciting looking young midfielders in uh, Sam Bell and Alex Scott. And, you know, I think we, you know, it, we made it look easier than it was for large spells of that game. But, you know, it was, it was what the cup was all about, right? It's, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, it's probably their event of the season and, you know, we, uh, they, they played for it. But thankfully we found, you know, we found the level that we needed to get through. Very good. Five successes away games, Lizo. Uh, it was good be, to be back at the Etihad at the weekend. We'll come on to that in a moment. This is our fifth one on the trot away. Tough tough tie, Dave says. We we did enough, uh, but at 1-0, it, it it wasn't a foregone conclusion at that stage. No, but but again, you, you when you when you're in the FA Cup, these are the sort of games that uh, both teams relish. Uh, probably Bristol more than City because they don't like Pet does not like going to these grounds, uh, these smaller grounds with bobbly pitches. But again, it did the job, and I think we played them in the semi-final of the League Cup a few years ago, and yep. and the same thing happened again. So yeah, no job done. Move on, uh, and uh, we've got. We've now got Burnley. 
Yeah, we'll we'll come on to that in a second. Roger, your reflections on the game as well. So it seems a while ago now, of course, whenever we do this, it's like kind of almost a week ago. But any, anything to add to what uh, Dave and Lisa said on that Bristol City uh, victory? I think I think David's spot on. He, he he's got the mood right in the sense that it it certainly wasn't a run of the mill victory. It wasn't a a foregone conclusion. It wasn't an easy victory for City uh, that maybe the press would have us believe. I think the problem with the press and media these days they they seem to accept that City are going to win, and and the shock is if ever they don't win. Uh, and of course we as City fin- fans know that that isn't always the case. Bristol City playing exceptionally well, as you mentioned. It was a tough game for us. And and David again mentioned at 1-0, there were were a few iffy moments. I thought it was a terrific performance from City uh, against a good, you know, all right, mid-table championship side. But they were up for the game. The fans were up for the game. It was a tough challenge for City. Can I just mention a couple of players then? Last week, you, you 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 guys weren't around, but... Uh, we talked about Calvin Phillips, who we kind of said, well, if he doesn't play in this game, then he's got a serious problem. Of course, he, I think he played all 90 minutes, actually, in the end. So, so Dave, you're, you haven't had an opportunity, maybe. We don't talk about it very much. Um, big England star in the World Cup, of course, uh, came to City and uh, was a star at Leeds United, but uh, hasn't featured much. You, you, your reflections on Calvin Phillips? So I think, you know, he was, a, he was a signing I was quite excited for us to get, and it, but it was one that came with quite a lot of risk. Um, he hasn't, you know, with, with all respect to Leeds United, sort of played at quite the same level, you know, with the same level of players around him as he's, as he's doing now, even if there were certain similarities in the way he was expected to play with Bielsa. He's clearly a very good distributor of the ball, but certainly there's been moments in particularly the transition phases, which Rodri is so good at that he's not looked quite so natural. And he had a very good start against Bristol City, I thought. You know, he rattled the bar within like, within five minutes. Um, there were a few sort of misplaced passes that suggest he isn't quite on the same wavelength as everyone else. But, you know, I think as as the game went on, it wasn't a, a stellar performance, but he did, you know, start to start to gel a little bit better in there. I don't think it was maybe as bad as um, you know, maybe some some on Twitter were saying. He is growing into it slowly, but I do just wonder, you know, does Pep believe that there's kind of that pathway for him to really, uh, you know, really provide a challenge to Rodri that ultimately is what he wants from these, these squad players. That's a difficult one. There has been discussion that he may be being looked at for a transfer in the summer, which I think would be a shame given the fact that usually players tend to do better in their second season with us. But, you know, he's definitely not maybe kicked on in the way you'd be hoping this late into the season. But it is good to see in games like that, Pep is at least giving him 90 minutes to try and get him up to speed, which he wasn't getting in the first half. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, Lizo, when, you, when you're not playing week in, week out and you just get this odd chance. It's difficult just to come in and, and, and play a part and impress the manager. It, it, that can't be easy, surely. Um, but if you remember, he played in the World Cup, he's played in the Euros, he's been to the Euro Finals. And I think it was unfortunate that when, it, when he came to us, he came with two injuries. He came with a, a leg, leg injury and this shoulder injury, which didn't help. Um, and David Wright saying that, he, you know, you can't compare him and Rodri. I think it was one of them that we were looking for just a player, just in case Rodri got injured or he burns himself out, that we can just uh, a fill-in player, which is, which is a bit... And probably not the right thing to say about Calvin because he's a great player and I think he will settle in and I think he will become uh, a Manchester City player. But, you know, again, we look at Jack Grealish when he first came with a, you know, £100 million for what? But now, you know, he's now settled in and he's playing well. And I think Calvin will do the same. Calvin, he's a good lad. 
and he'll do the same. He's he's got a great long ball on him. You know, probably needs to man up a little bit like solid uh, like Rodri is, but yeah, I think he'll do well. Rog, quick word on Phillips, and then I'm keen for you to just reflect and think about the quarter final tie and and all the emotion that is. Uh, Attached to Vincent Company back with his statue now firmly planted at the uh, the north end of the stadium and so on. Um, that is just quite a tie. But just qu- anything to add on Phillips before you maybe give us your reflections on Burnley? Yeah, I mean, you know me. Uh, I think Rodri is such having such a fantastic season for us this season. He's he's my player of the season so far, and I just think it's a bit like saying for Calvin Phillips, great player as he is, he is. It's like being an understudy to Laurence Olivier, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, how on earth do you replace Rodri at the moment? You've got to keep playing him as often as you can. Um, He is a great player who's got his time ahead of him. I hope he stays. I think he has got the potential to ultimately take over from Rodri. It may be a few years away yet, but, you know, Rodri is just immense at the moment. So... uh... Give us your thoughts then, Rog. Kick us off then on uh, on Burnley. Vincent oh, coming just, back. Yeah, the romantic fixture of the round, isn't it? Just fantastic. Uh, the reception he's going to get when he walks out of that tunnel is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, you can't get a more popular player than Vinnie Company for what he's done for Manchester City over so many years. He's now a hero in Burnley, quite rightly. He's playing the game the proper way. He's getting Burnley to play the game the proper way. They are absolutely romping away with the championship. So we'll be seeing him next season anyway um fantastic he is the talking of young pretenders he's the young pretender to pep's throne isn't he let's be honest right, so i think we, you might be being a bit premature there roger i mean he's not even played in the <laughs> might Premier be two League. years away might be two I un- years away I, un- I understand the enthusiasm that you come with I'm, i think it's maybe a bit too soon to start saying that. i can understand why you might be saying that um but people say Lizo, that he is kind of playing the city way as well it's kind of city versus city in a way isn't it potentially well yeah now now taking the point of roger now what if he beats us now that that'll be one. I don't think it'll be then too soon for him to come and join us. Uh, so we'll have to see. I, th- I think yeah, it's the romantic uh, round. Uh, great reception. My only um, um, thing about it is they've got two players that play for City. Are they still uh, Taylor Howard Bellis and uh, another? Will they be able to play in the in the cup tie? I think they probably will. I don't think they've been cupped. I don't know. So I suppose it does say depend what their contract says. I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but no, it's, it's, whatever whatever the result is, he's he's just going to get a great welcome, of course. And I'll you know I'll never forget that goal he scored against Leicester. Unbelievable. Don't shoot! Don't shoot, Vinny! Don't shoot! As Aguero yeah. said just before he did it. Indeed, <laughs> Dave, your 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 thoughts ahead of uh, the Burnley clash and Vincent coming back. Look, I don't think there's, you know, any superlative there is to be said about Vincent Company. It's been said on this podcast a hundred times over. You know, we know what he what he is as a pl- what he was as a player, what he is as a man, his leadership qualities. But what's just been so impressive is how he's taken possibly the least fashionable club in England under Sean Dyche into <laughs> a club that play modern progressive football in you know in the style that's you know quite reminiscent of some of the stuff that we we do. You know, I completely agree with Roger. I think we're you know, it's far too premature to talk about, you know, where he will ultimately slot in as a football manager. Will he be at the very top level clubs like Manchester City or, you know, where, where he will find his place? But, you know, he, he's doing well. I really hope he can, you know, carry that on into the Premier League because, you know, it's, it's you know, I think we all we all wish him, him very, very well. 
if that could maybe start, you know, in a couple of weeks' time rather than, you know, before before he plays us, that would be uh, that would be better. But you know, he will he you know the fans will be so excited to see him. I think it's going to be a a good occasion for all. Fantastic. Well, listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about that at a uh, potential extension, well, the, the definite extension at the uh, north end of the Etihad campus. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the game against Newcastle at the weekend as well. And we'll do all of that straight after this break. Welcome back. Um, something that was announced a couple of weeks ago, but I've delayed talking about it because I've got two very important guests here. Um, it's no secret, I don't think, that two of our guests have got probably, probably the best job in the world, certainly in my eyes, and I'm sure many listeners' eyes as well. They are very, very lucky people. Uh, they are tour guides at Manchester City Football Club. Just think about that for a moment. Spending their day walking around the dressing room, the tunnel, taking visitors from all around the world, around the magnificent Etihad Stadium, talking about this, the history of our club. Uh, what a thrill and a joy that must be for Ian Lees and Roger Reid. Uh, I'm jealous, I really am, but it's really great to have you on. And, and I've, I've deliberately delayed talking about this, knowing you were coming on this week. Um, I wanted to talk about it um, today on this week's show with you. And Dave might have a view as well if he gets a look in, but uh, we're going to start with you, Lizo. Obviously, the club have announced, and, and I guess that the, the main driving force, of course, is that at the moment we can't have a European final because we don't have 60,000 seats, uh, which, of course, is the main driving force. And at the end of this, we will have that. Um, there's a hotel, there's an arena that's being built, new shop, new museum, city square is going to be covered and 3,000 people and new food outlets, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it sounds really exciting. Um, just really interested to kind of get your thoughts on that Lizo, and and how you're describing on the tour what sort of feedback you're getting from people as you're going around etc let's just let's just have a few minutes talking about this exciting development of our ground sure uh, it's all positive any anything that we deal with with the owners of this club is always going to look to be the best for the players the fans and and obviously the community and this project started uh, probably two, three years ago before lockdown, where they just wanted, like you said, to have 60,000 seats in the stadium for a, a final and other major events as well. It, it wasn't just down to the Champions League final. But since then, like everything else with the club, they go around the world, they see all the best stadiums, they even go to Blackpool and Bolton where they've got hotels <laughs> and decided we're going to put this hotel, etc. But remember, there's no final plans on this yet. This is just solely a consultation till the 26th of March and it is available at um, the stadium as well at the moment. They do have it open every day so, so fans can go and have a look at it. Um, but ultimately... Whatever we do, it will be the best. That's that's all I'll say. Uh, you know, we've known this club too long now, and you're quite right, Nigel. It's a great, it's it's an absolute great pleasure to work for the club again uh, in good times. And the biggest question I get is, do I get to talk to Pep every day? Well, of course we do. <laughs> Roger and I talk to him every day. The problem is, we he doesn't know us. So. <laughs> So, but no, <laughs> no it, it's a great job. Love it. 
Yes. It must be, of course, but both of you, of course, worked for the club in the past as well, in different guises as well. And, and Rog, I know what a thrill it is for you, um, having worked for the club on two previous occasions, to be back now um, at your age uh, doing a job I'm sure you love day in, day out. I mean, it must be a thrill, isn't it, just going in every day and, and, and walking people around. And you said to me the other day, in terms of the, the international guests that we get, it's not just people from the local vicinity, you're getting people from all over the world who are becoming City fans. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing. I mean, you know, I, I worked at City in the 70s and 80s and the, the requests for ground tours that we got in those days were like one a week. Uh, and they were from people in Blakely and Harper Hay, you know. Nowadays, we've got people yesterday, the tour that we took around yesterday. Um, I think we took people from Japan, from China, from Australia, from America, from Norway and from Belgium. And you're thinking, you know, this is incredible. They come over for a like four day break in Manchester on the basis that the highlight of their weekend is coming round the Etihad. It's fabulous. It really is fabulous. It's fantastic to see. Uh, and as you rightly say, for me at my age, it's, it's just a joy. It's a real thrill doing it. And in terms of the development, Rog, your, your thoughts, I suppose, when I first heard of it, and, and Lisa's absolutely quite right to correct me, this is just a consultation which is which is going on, and as he rightly says, any City fan can go and have a look and, and, and share their views, of course. I think City are keen to hear the fans' view as to what they think. Um, one of the great stadiums, it sort of hurts me to say, it's actually Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is absolutely fantastic, and they have this mm. kind of, this wall, don't they, this, this bank. Mm. And one slight disappointment is that when I heard that they weren't necessarily going to do the same as they have on all three other sides with three tiers was they're having to sort of keep the lower tier and then make the bank above so it isn't a solid bank sorry if i'm not explaining this very well but but hopefully you understand you where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i know you know what i mean it, uh, it, so, it's so, keeping so, the lower tier as it is basically an agent yeah. and then building above that yeah exactly so you so you that i was a bit disappointed about that why would they not sort of make this amazing wall mm. uh, and all the acoustics they can do now getting the getting the sound bouncing off the walls back into the ground and so on is it oh yeah i don't know i'm putting you on the spot a bit are you aware is that is that a kind of building sort of architectural issue or is that a choice that they're making at the moment do you have, do you have any insight into that or I, I don't have insight i'm afraid Nigel. one of the issues um that i'm concerned about is the fact that at the moment at the back of the second level in the north stand there is a row of executive boxes and i'm not sure whether they're to be retained uh whether the club are going to consult fans about that um so that remains to be seen what i do know is that the stadium itself is almost future-proof. The club have long had ambitions, as Ian's mentioned, about uh, staging these big games. The biggest one is the Champions League final, which, as you rightly say, you've got to get to 60,000 capacity. But they've already future-proofed the stadium in the sense that the dressing rooms are UEFA approved. There are warm-up rooms for both the away dressing room and the home dressing room, which are available now. Um, so they've got most uh, of what they need in terms of the UEFA criteria uh, already in place. So they they future proof. They knew what they were doing when they were building it, and they 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 have got all this lined up and ready. So this extension to sixty thousand is the final piece in the jigsaw to be able to stage, as I say, such as the Champions League final. But it, the plans are fantastic. It's not just the hotel. They're talking about a new club shop. They're talking about a museum. They're talking about a covered fan zone. Uh, City Square has proved to be very, very popular behind the North Stand, as you know, for several years. So they want to protect that and actually improve it by covering it. So the rain that we're used to in Manchester will, uh, you know, be deflected away from people that gather uh, in those areas. There'll be improved food and drink outlets. 
The city store, as it stands at the moment, I understand is going to be demolished uh, and that this new club shop will be, you know, all singing, all dancing. They're also, you probably know that they're building this indoor concert venue. And I think that there are going to be closer links with the concert venue as well. So it really is exciting. It's fantastic for City fans to see uh, and to hear about for the future. I'm going to put a dampener on it now, and I know Dave may have some thoughts, but but let me. I'm just doing my job here. So some will say, you know, the empty hat, you can't fill it at the moment. So so what are you doing about putting more seats in there then? And there's some talk about, you know, discounted rate for school kids and and making sure that people who maybe can't afford to go every week can have the opportunity to go. Any any thoughts on that, uh, Ian or, or Rog, in terms of how would you deflect that potential criticism of the you know the empty hat sort of actually building more seats to have even more empty seats? the ground how would you respond to any idiot who might demand is there nice demand is there already you know absolutely um the most of the home games ian i think are sold out to the end Mm -hmm. of the season anyway aren't Mm -hmm. they so you know the demand is there people on tours that we get are saying they can't get hold of tickets um you know we need that extra capacity for the demand don't forget as i said before City now are a worldwide brand. They've got worldwide interest. And these fans are coming over to see City and they're disappointed when they can't get tickets. One final negative, travel is not great, as we know, and and you do get a lot of people leaving early and you can understand why people have long journeys, people want to avoid the traffic, kids, one thing or another, and we do, you know, five minutes before the end, we know just in our seats there are people pushing past trying to get out early. Um, City talks about developing alternative travel methods, and I'm not quite sure what that means exactly. Um, and any thoughts on that as well before I come to Dave? Just one final question. That's something I picked up from the from the press release. What what else are they considering? What else might they be able to do that might just ease the congestion and make it easy for people to get away, particularly at the end of games? Yeah, Nigel, um, all I'll say is nothing's off the table. Um, I was, um, you know, the Nexon Bridge that connects the uh, academy to the stadium. At one point, they were going to put a monorail over the bridge um, until the uh, architects told them they can't, the monorail will be too heavy for the bridge. So <laughs> so, so again, the, it, it's the thought process. They'll have lots of ideas, and it's just a case of, and with with the logistics of the of the travel, they then have to bring into the council and and highways agencies to see how we can do it. But again, it will be there because you think about that that area, that's regenerated from a coal mine, a wireworks, a gas works, and the chemical company into one of the best facilities in, in the UK. So yeah, all credit to them. To be honest with you. I'm excited about the new store. I just hope it sort of replicates Janice's souvenir shop. That's all I can say. That would be amazing. <laughs> to, 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 bring, to bring that back would be just fantastic. Oh, <clears throat> and if Dave, Dave, if you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to your granddad. He'll, he'll be able to explain all about that to you. <laughs> Dave, before we move on, I'm keen to talk about the Newcastle game and also look forward to Crystal Palace at the weekend as well. Uh, you, you're, if I, Roger and Ian, thanks very much for that insight. It's absolutely brilliant. And, and what a thrill for you to, as I say, day in, day out doing that job. Dave, your, your thoughts um, about the... the this expansion these expansion plans so i mean you know it's it, it's kind of yeah as as the gents and you know they, they know so much so much about this it's been really interesting to to hear um i mean it's it's remarkable you know you think 
certainly where we've come from, certainly what the area was. And you can see almost, you know, if you go, you know, if you take a snapshot year on year, start of each season, I look around and the neighbourhood looks different. Things look better. Things are improving. And I think it's a real testament to the club that they've kind of dragged the area with the club in the promotion. Mm. You know, as, as we've sort of, well, I don't mean promotion, as in as we've as we've improved, as we've developed things, we've really brought the, you know, the area on with us. And I think that's a real testament to the club and what they stand for. You know, it's it's interesting as well. They're going for this more sort of holistic event-based approach. I mean, I guess for a lot of fans, it won't necessarily mean that much. But for the locals, you know, giving year-round opportunities rather than just sort of more seasonal stuff based on football, I think that's going to be really exciting. So, no, full credit to them. Fantastic. Uh, we look forward. I think they've said as well, once the consult- consultation's over, they get planning permission, it's going to take at least three years. Um, and again, they will try and do it. So there's like minimum disruption sort of throughout the season and stuff. I'm sure it'll be very well planned. And and that, in, as you say, building on what you said, Dave, and I've said it many times before, that, that employment of local people and the whole development of East Manchester is, is, is what's fantastic. They really think about that. Um, Fantastic. Let's uh, let's talk about the football then. Uh, a win against Newcastle. Uh, they had their chances, as I said. Um, your thoughts, Dave, on uh, on the Newcastle game? It, you know, as, as we discussed last week, it, it, it was an interesting one because you never really know how they're going to be coming off the back of the um, of the disappointment in the cup final. I think that you know they are a good side. They're maybe not you know where their place at sort of Christmas time would have suggested they were. They're still, you know, in the early phases of a rebuild, but let's not forget, it took us three, four years to reach, you know, reach the sort of Champions League, reach some top, um, top, uh, top end of things. And, you know, they, they did at points look very good at other points, you know, they looked like they struggled to deal with us. But I think the thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit today was the problem that we seem to have against these teams. You know, we had against Bristol, we had against Newcastle, we had it in a more meaningful way against Nottingham Forest, where we're 1-0 up and we do look like we're letting teams in a little bit. So, you know, great goal from Foden, admittedly a big deflection, but, you know, he he really added something. But when we got to 1-0, there were a good number of chances where I just thought Newcastle looked quite dangerous. There was, you know, one where um, Callum Wilson scuffed the ball, another one where Joe Linton missed the ball completely, which on a different day, you know, they could have gone in, that would have been a very, very different game and it's these fine margins that just suggest to me we're not necessarily you know taking control of these games when we need to but again you know we did find that second goal this time we you know there's there's a good bit of um one thing I was reading somewhere about how Pep's got as much better set up now to deal with counter-attacks and it did feel like we were doing quite well when when Newcastle went long after us at winning the second ball and turning attack, uh, defence into attack quite quickly but you know I do just I do just worry that we need to be that little bit quicker when we're 1-0 up to make that make ourselves get out of sight because that is getting a bit worrying for us at the moment. There was a period, wasn't there, Rog, where, as Dave rightly says, at one nil, it could have it could have easily gone to one all, um, and that clever substitution from Pep did make a, dis- a difference. KDB did not look on his game. He's not going to perform at the top level every week. Brought Bernardo on, and, and what a difference he made. Uh, and just to add also to the fact that having Phil Foden back and playing, I think, in the form of his life, I think he was absolutely head and shoulders man of the match. Um, he looked superb, and that's been the case in the last two or three games, in fact. What, what a revelation he's been, and he's looking world-class, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so lucky. It's funny because someone was talking to me on the tours yesterday and they were saying Phil Foden uh, uh, is effectively being groomed to replace David Silver. And what a what a great replacement for David Silver, the legendary David Silver. But actually, he's brought a little bit more than David Silver because his goal scoring is phenomenal. 
Um, he was man of the match against Bristol City. He was man of the match against Newcastle. He's right back on form, as you rightly say. Um, the one thing that I did have a concern about was that Bernardo was on the bench from the start against Newcastle. And we just struggled to get continuity of flow of play. Passing movements were quite short and interrupted. I'm not disputing the fact that Newcastle are a good side uh, and they made a, you know, and they made a good game of it. But I thought Bernardo would have just the ball sticks with Bernardo and he passes to blue players, you know, and and we were able to hold on to the ball much, much better when he plays. So I, I was quite surprised that unless he was rested, which of course could be the case. Um, KDB, yeah, maybe, maybe he was again, he was brilliant against Bristol City, so we can't expect that every single game. Um, didn't quite come off for him on Saturday, but you know, he'll be back, yeah. What he's one of the top 10 players in the world at the moment, Kevin De Bruyne. So let's not worry about maybe a, a slight off day for him. I used to get criticized on this podcast, Rog, when I used to say, people say, you know, David Silver, one of the great, I used to say no, and you know, when you have your like your, your 11 best ever City players, he wouldn't be in my top 11. He wouldn't make it. And the reason really? is, mm-hmm. I don't, really, and the reason is I don't think he scored enough. I th- and, and you've made that mm-hmm. point yourself. You may not have realised mm-hmm. it, but you, in that introduction, mm-hmm. you made that very point yourself. And you're saying yeah, that Foden's yeah. like, he's scoring. He's the same as Silva. Oh, he's, he, <laughs> he's the same. He's potentially going to be as good as Silva, is, is, is what you're saying. But yeah, he's scoring goals which Silva didn't do. He missed too many. In the my acting on the cake for a, Foden is scoring a, goals. A great, yeah. a great footballer, of course. Won everything with City. Mm-hmm. A City legend, whatever. But he's not in my top 11. Mm, interesting. Uh, off air, we'll ask you about that. Yeah, you can ask me now if you like. You know, all right, go on. Then name your top eleven. Oh no, no, all eleven. Oh no, I'm not going to do that now. No, you're right. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> I say, no. I'll that, give that you a bit of bore, time to think. That would bore everybody, wouldn't it? Vic, Vic Gomesol. Vic Gomesol would be in, would be in there, obviously. <laughs> um, again, Dave, ask your granddad about Vic Gomesol. Um, right, Lizo, come on, Phil Foden. Dave. Dave, ask your granddad about David Silver. <laughs> 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 in fact, Dave, I should granddad about Man City. <laughs> um, We've just got our title for the podcast this week. It's <laughs> actually granddad. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> um, I, I think I think you guys have been a little unfair on City here because we we've been used to the last two or three seasons where we dominated everything, points, goals, everything, and. The other teams now have started to try and play players out, play differently. Uh, Brentford, I always remember playing the long ball from the from the keeper. It worked. They beat us. If you remember at the Etihad, all we did was they just played. We just played in one half. They just had eleven players behind the ball, hoping that we wouldn't score against them. And if they kept it down to four nil, they were happy. They went away happy. And I think now the likes of Newcastle have had big investment. Uh, Man United have got um, one of Pep's prodigies, uh, Ten Hag. Arteta is now at Arsenal. They're all starting to play and think like Pep. So now we've got competition. So they're obviously going to get... And if you look at the two Arsenal games that we've had, one in the Cup and one in the league, we've had to play differently in both games because one is outthinking the other. Um, and again, we're going to be playing them again in, in the league at the Etihad uh, uh, soon. And I, I think it'll be a totally different game again. You know, look at Rico Lewis. He's a right back, but hang on, he tucks in. 
you know. And it, so again, it, it's all about. I think everybody's now trying to work out how Pep thinks. To be honest with you, so I thought it was a great win uh, for City on on Saturday. I think yeah, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't on his best, but again, what did good old Pep do? Bring Bernardo on. You know, people have had a go at Haaland. But Haaland had two great big centre-backs on him, Burn and Scar, and he was pulling them down. He was taking them away, giving Jack Grealish um, a run against them. So I, I thought I thought it was a tremendous point, uh, a game on, on Saturday, and I thought it, uh, the plan worked well. And were sorry, you, sorry were boys. You, no, it's all right. No, it's not a problem. Were, were you happy to see Harlan run 40 yards to shove Dan Byrne out of the way to protect his mate Grealish who was on the floor, Dave? Was that, was that see, with my referee's top on today? Uh, I thought I'd just ask this question here. Is that uh, something that should be encouraged, that we should be having players running 40 yards and shoving big players out of the way to protect their own colleagues? As a fine, upstanding gentleman, I couldn't possibly condone this. As a football fan, I'd say it doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David, ask your granddad about the fights on the pitch. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I think it started to come into football too much now. It seems to be happening at every game, not just City. I think it happened at Everton. It's happened at every game. And in fact, that's probably a question for you, um, Nigel. Are, are referees being too lenient with these players? You know, we've seen Casemiro sent off with. So allegedly putting his hands around the neck. You know, when you see something like that from a referee's point of view, are you, what, what's the referee uh, embodies behind that? Do they encourage to let it go on and you just give your cards out as and when? Or do you try and stop it beforehand? I think you obviously try and stop it. I think the one thing that one of the reasons I hate rugby so much is that whilst it's a much more physical game, they get away with a huge amount. As long as they call the ref sir and get back 10 yards when they're told, it's they can, you know, kick each other's heads in and I have a major problem you can't raise you can't raise a hand in football you can't push people around and whilst I completely understand and I can understand Dave a fabulous comment I like it a lot yeah you've got to protect your colleagues but I think we've got to be careful you know running 40 yards and getting involved I I think uh, he was actually lucky with with just getting away with the caution there yes Dave I think the one line I will drop the, the one thing from the weekend where I think there's a big distinction to be drawn here very different, a player like Harlan going and sort of protecting his teammate in that way. Very, very different what happened in the game we don't want to mention yesterday, where Bruno Fernandes did that, did, you know, bit of a push on the linesman. That is a very different kettle of fish. I think physical contact with officials versus physical contact with opposition, entirely different thing. You see, it's really interesting. The, the, the assistant referee, who I think you're referring to, actually sort of got involved first he, he actually put his hands on him first which I, I when I saw I thought what's he doing you know he shouldn't be doing that and so I think that the assistant referee put himself in a very difficult position there not of course that the player should be touching referees of course uh, I think if you strike a referee it's something like a 10 match ban or something quite rightly um, so yeah so I think there's a, a slightly different issue at play there as well uh, let me come back to City because I certainly don't want to talk about other games involving those teams particularly if unless we absolutely have to uh, Someone that I've talked about a lot recently is Ake. Um, and I, I, it just, I just leave that there for everybody just to nod and smile nicely about what a, what a player, what a season he's having. I think, you know, I think I, you talk about Rodri Rodger. I'm sticking Ake up there at the moment in terms of what a season he's had as a player. But great to have Diaz back as well. 
Mm. Uh, you know, I, I just he was looked superb. I thought, didn't he? Then Lizo, you're you're not you're either yeah. falling asleep or nodding in agreement. I can't <laughs> quite work out which one it is. Nice. How can I fall asleep in your in your podcast? No, I I think he should be club captain. I think he's a leader. A he did show he did show leadership. He was not only yeah. was he did show yeah. some leadership he, there, which I think we've been lacking direction. a bit to be honest. Um, yeah. But again, you know, we can talk about the whole city team. You know, look at Akanji, fifteen million pound, and he's been the best centre back there is. You know, and like you said, Ake, well, he's his link up with Grealish at the moment is superb. So why do we need a left back? Um, so again, the whole team seems to be gelling together nicely. To be, to be honest with you, and when one has an off day, somebody comes in and takes over, and I, I think I think it's just great. Gundo, Gundo's absolutely superb at the moment. He's off the ball work, and and I know we keep talking about Haaland, but remember it's his first season in the Premier League. Sure. Top goal scorer breaks Guerrero's record, you know, uh, and he's he's frightening to death. These um, the only thing I have, and I won't say it's a criticism, and I think you guys will mention it. I think our midfield players are frightened to put that ball through the middle for him to run onto. I think they don't have that um, confidence yet. They'll do that, but if you look at him, he he he's got pace. So whether they're told not to do it. Or whether it's just Kevin supposed to do it, I don't know. But I think certainly next season we might see a, a, a better Haaland, shall we say. We've talked a lot about him. I want to throw one other name on the table because he reached a very impressive milestone, which is 100 clean sheets in the Premier League. Uh, and he has come in for a little bit of criticism over the years. Not, you know, not, not just on this podcast, but in other places as well. Uh, uh, Rog, uh, Edison, 100 clean sheets need, needs a mention, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Great credit to him because, let's face it, he spends 70 minutes spectating, doesn't he? 75 minutes, 80 minutes. You know, he, he, he's, it, the biggest challenge for him is maintaining concentration levels. Um, and I, I just think he's brilliant. You know, he, he's able to do that. He's able to pull off the saves when it's uh, important for us. Um, 100 clean sheets is in, in, incredible in the Premier League. Absolutely incredible for a goalkeeper to reach that, um, that you know, that mighty uh, position. Um, you won't get me criticising him at all. I uh, I think he's superb. Uh, and for me, forgive me, I think he's better than Alisson as well. I think we're forgetting about, and we're talking about clean sheets, but look at the assists he's made. Look at the, the long balls he's made for Aguero and, and other teams down the left and right flanks. He He's just superb as an outfield player as well. So, yeah, no, all credit, all credit to him. Fantastic. Let's look forward to Crystal Palace away. Nice old-fashioned ground, corrugated iron to smash your hand against throughout the game, make a nice noise there, rattle, rattle those stands, uh, enjoy going there. Nice big column to stand behind as well, which you're not used to anywhere else uh, in the Premier League or not many places. It's one of those few grounds you do have to endure that in the away corner. Uh, Dave, your thoughts ahead of uh, Palace away, who were on a, on a bit of a difficult run at the moment. Well, it's always a bit of a banana skin, isn't it? I remember, you know, last season we went there. We do not, I still don't know how we didn't score. It was one of those just ridiculous games, but it does seem to be a, you know, they're one of those teams who are a completely different proposition at home to playing them away. Uh, to when they play away, sorry. I, you know, I do think this season they seem to be lacking something a little bit. They haven't quite kicked on under Vieira in the way they'd have been hoping. We really should be winning this. But again, they do put on a brilliant atmosphere. It's a cracking old ground. 
But yeah, I, I do always worry, you know, it's one of those sort of games where you can very easily find yourself dropping points because they do seem to put on a bit of a show when the big teams turn up. Lizo, Crystal Palace away. Easy, easy. Three points, sorted, in the bag. Pass. <laughs> Talk to me next week. <laughs> All right, um, I'll pass no, that. Reedy, no, no, you've yeah, gone. Go He's gone. <laughs> Listen, there's no easy games, are there? You know, we, we, we've got to be on top of our form. Pep will will be aware of the way uh, Patrick Vieira plays. Uh, it's a tough challenge. It's a tough old ask going to Salhurst Park. Um, I do just want to mention one thing, if I may, and that is that the game is going to be on Sky. Um, I, I, I've got to just mention this because it, I, I was working yesterday, so I'm pleased to say I missed that game between the other two clubs in the Northwest that we've heard so much about. But I've got to say, I did catch the end uh, where there was a discussion involving the so-called pundits. And I've got to say, I do not understand what Sky's policy is with, with these guys, because we're now listening to people who you've got to say, you can compare them with the babbling idiots that you get on fan TV. You know, these are fans of clubs talking absolute nonsense and Sky are paying them, you know, millions in, in salary. It, it just doesn't stack up for me. I sincerely hope they are not going to be commenting on this game on Saturday because I will be watching on Sky, uh, but I'll be watching with the sound down if these two Muppets are on it. I guess you could argue that uh, Micah Richards, I guess, will be there if it's the City Games. He'll be giving the City view. You had a... Oh, I hope so. I so hope so, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Well, listen, I'm off to ask my granddad about Harper Hay, what it must be like there, thanks to Roger Reed. Um, but it's been a great pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to, uh, to Ian Lees, to Roger Reed, and to Dave Hodgson. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.